The legends are true. But overwhelming power! The sauce of destiny. Yes! The most legendary sauce has arrived as McDonald's transforms into the anime world of Wickdonald's. The greatest flavors unite in all new savory chili McDonald's sauce to make your 10-piece Nuggets, fries, and Sprite ultra-powerful. Unlock manga comics with every meal and sit down for a new anime short every week only at Wickdonald's. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba, go! And participate in McDonald's for a limited time while supplies last. Welcome to The Vault Podcast. Classic Music Reviews, presented by IV Creative. Now, here's your hosts, B. Cox and the crew. Greetings and welcome, ladies and gentlemen, to another edition of the Vault Podcast, Classic Music Reviews, presented by IV Creative. It's a perspective of the classics from a fresh point of view. We appreciate you for taking your time and lending your ears to our perspective. You could be anywhere listening to anything, but you're right here with us, so... We thank you. With you today is yours truly, B. Cox, and once again, I'm man of the ship solo for this week. No crew with me again this week, but hopefully we'll have them back on again soon. Shout out to the crew out there handling their business. And of course, I'm here to chop it up over the classics once again on another week of the Vault Classic Music Reviews. Gotta stop and of course give shout outs to everyone outside. We talked about it last week about the reception that we've gotten in January being a very, very good month for us. And I have to say it again, so far the month of February is getting off to a rousing start. Been great number-wise, the things we've been saying. Of course, shout out to all the listeners everywhere. Special shout out to my international listeners out there in the UK, in Australia, Germany, France, also in India, Brazil, Chile, Peru, Mexico, Canada, of course, as well across the border. Got to thank all y'all as well. And of course, across the United States. Special shout out to those listeners out there in the Empire State, New York, Massachusetts, California, and then, of course, right here in my hometown, D.C., and Maryland and Virginia as well. And, of course, shout out to the state of Ohio, man. Y'all been showing some love as well. So thank you for tuning in to us. We do everything here for you, and we love to hear your feedback, of course. Just make sure you're interacting with us on all the socials and continue to send us those emails. Join us on Twitter, Facebook, and also on Instagram. We love being able to interact with y'all, and we love the interaction from everyone who listens to and partakes in the show. We like to chop it up over the classics on the Vault Classic Music Reviews, and we always like to go back in time, and today we go back 20 years, and this is a good one, one that I've gotten a lot of positive feedback for people that found out we were doing this album today. It's released 20 years ago, actually yesterday, as of this recording. Of course, I'm talking about none other than Mr. Tony Stark himself, a.k.a. Pretty Tony, Ghostface Killer, and his second studio album, Supreme Clientele, released February 8, 2000 on then Epic Records. Whoo, man. (laughs) We've gotten a lot of good feedback from this from a lot of the listeners. Um, People on social media, when they saw that this 20th anniversary just came by for this album, it's a lot of positive feedback from people who were Listening to that album at that time, a lot of Ghostface Killer fans out there. And of course, how could you not be? The boy Tone puts out great product and did for the better part of one po- of a decade after the Wu-Tang debut album, 36 Chambers. This second studio album is something that's left a mark on a lot of us. And for those of you who were around at that time that received it in the year 2000 when it came out and have studied it over the years since it's been out will tell you that it's an album that definitely leaves a mark and leaves an impression on you. Not only the music itself, 
But when you do your research on this album, I think to me, which stands out more so than anything else, is the story behind this album. It is quite intriguing. And I did quite a bit of research leading up to this album this week. It's an amazing story when you start getting into the granular details of things that happen. So first, we're going to go ahead and get into the particulars as we do every single week with these albums that we reviewed. The Who, What, Where, When and Why released February 8th, 2000, recorded between 1998 and 1999, New York City and also in Miami, Florida. Runtime of 64 minutes and 10 seconds, which for all the tracks that are on here, including skits, seems very, very short. And it's a great job of them not making this album way too long. Label, of course, we said is Epic Records and picked up by Sony and Razor Sharp Records, LLC. Producers on this, executive producer, you already know who it was. It's your boy, Reza, along with Ghostface, who had a lot of creative control involved in this as well. And there were a lot of different other producers that played a part in making beats for these albums, including Black Mozart, The Blacksmiths, Juju from The Beat Nuts, Carlos Six July Brody as well from The Hitmen. You also had production by Chew the Specialist. Inspector Deck made a track for this as well, Mathematics, and also Carlos Bess. So there were a lot of different producers that made beats for this album, but Eventually, what happened, as we find out in the making of this album, that Ghostface and RZA remixed and did all the new tr- all the tracks on this album. The producers gave their contributions for the beats, and RZA remixed and remade everything that was on there to sort of make a cohesive effort. So, Supreme Clientele, Ghostface's second album. Now, of course, his debut album was Iron Man, which came out in 1996, four years prior. So, he took quite a bit of a break, but... There was a reason why Ghostface took a break from recording albums. He had a lot of different things sort of going on. So just to give you the background of what was going on, as I found out through my research and stories that you hear afterwards, is that in 1997, actually, Ghost was going through a lot of different things. He was uh, suffering from diabetes. The diabetes had a large effect on his health. He was going through some health challenges, and he had just released Iron Man. He and Reza took a trip to West Africa, to the country of Benin, And they went to where he received what he called spiritual healing and also was treated by a bush doctor and in West Africa and Benin because he didn't trust traditional medicine in America. And while he was going through that spiritual healing and his treatment, he did a lot of different things and some soul searching when he was actually over in Africa. As a matter of fact, there are stories that have come out that have said the first lyrics for Supreme Clientele were written on the floor or dirt ground of a hut inside of Benin. And that's when he penned his first lyrics, no music, no beats or anything to work with just a simple pen and paper and just to write down lyrics for him to start thinking about things. And when he went through this healing and it was for a few months that he did this, he found himself and came back to the United States when he was done, ready to go. He had told in an interview with the source when he took that trip over to Africa, that it was inspirational for him He said in the interview with the source that, you know, fuck all this Tommy Hilfiger polo and all this shit, (laughs) you know, like how everybody know our ghost voices. He's a character, man. We'll actually get into that later as well. He said they don't give a fuck about none of that in Africa. Everything is the same. But over here, everybody want to be better than the next one. Nah, it's not like that over there. That might be fucked up money wise. But trust me, the motherfuckers is happy. Them niggas is in harmony because they got each other. So when he went ahead and did that, then. He began to pan his verses and 
what he would write the verses were particular songs to nutmeg one and then also to buck 50 this was sort of the beginning of him starting to go through this process before supreme clientele and everyone sort of needs to understand exactly where the wu-tang wu-tang was as a group in particular after the 36 chambers and after the first round of those Wu-Tang solo albums, To Cow by Method Man, Only Built for Cuban Links by Raekwon, Liquid Swords by Jizza. Some of the Wu affiliates also having their debuts, uh, Grave Diggers, uh, Sons of Man, putting things out in between that time. Reza sort of got with the second round of Wu-Tang debut albums, getting different producers to handle different projects with Method Man's second project, which was To Cow 2, and also Raekwon's Immobilarity. And a lot of other projects coming out around that time, he specifically wanted a hand in doing Ghostface Seconds album. He had sort of taken a step back when it came to primarily producing the tracks himself, but he wanted a hand in this one in particular. And you can see his footprints and his influences all over this album when you take a look at it. Also interesting to know is that Wu Tang as a clique was starting to sort of decline a little bit. They were, everyone knows when the 36 Chambers came out, it was a sound unlike anybody had heard before. This huge rap clip, a click of nine dudes coming out, just really, really intricate lyricism, different style, gritty, grimy, sample-based beats infused with this whole the Shaolin Kung Fu movie, like, like that type of like feel that you had to it. It was something that caught on. But by the time the late 90s had come around, Hip-hop was starting to move into a different direction. It was starting to turn into a little bit more flashy. It was starting to turn into a materialistic game. And that's when you saw the rise, like the Bad Boys, them Shiny Suits eras, the Jay-Z, Jiggy, the Flash, Bling Bling eras, No Limit, and Cash Money Records. And by the time ODB got up on the stage in 98 of the Grammy saying that Wu-Tang was for the children, <laughs> at that point, Wu-Tang was kind of in a decline. And... This album, I think, was part of helping to bring them back into the consciousness of everybody to know just how dope they were. Now, Wu-Tang put out two bangers of an album. Their classic 36 Chambers, Wu-Tang Forever, banger double disc. And after that, they sort of started to fade. This, to me, was the first wave of them coming back. And even though the albums after Wu-Tang Forever have not lived up to, to me, their capabilities, I do think, though, that this Supreme clientele just went out to show just pretty much Wu's capabilities. And for me, for me, it sort of established Ghostface as one of the premier lyricists within the group. And it showed that he was able to carry an album by himself lyrically, even though he showed that on Iron Man. I think he really took another step up on this album. Another interesting thing about this, doing research on this album, is that actually during the recording of this album is that Ghostface actually served a bid. Four-month sentence at Rikers Island, he pleaded guilty to a gun charge in 95 about an incident that took place at Palladium nightclub in New York City. And he still had a weapons charge that was pending, but they had to manage to finish the album. They got it done when he was actually released. He started working on it in 98 and then they had to stop because he had to do this four month bid in, in Rikers Island. Another thing that adds to the intrigue of this album as well is that in the fact in the mid 90s that RZA had a flood in his basement studio that resulted in the loss of recording of a lot of recording equipment and about a few hundred beats, a lot of them were unfinished. And he said he would have had to have new news equipment, start all over. And he basically said that he lost a lot of jewels in that flood. And it took him a while, almost about two to three years before he got 200 to 300 other beats. And he was ready to be able to get things going. And he was able to sort of pull some things together. He really is the architect of this album. Even though he only produced, and producer credit-wise, it shows up only four beats. 
he pretty much remixed and redid a lot of these different beats from the other contributions and producers on here. And you can see that because it really is a cohesive effort. Getting on to this album, about where I was. When this album came out, I was actually a freshman in college. Well, actually, I was actually still a senior in high school at that time. And when the first album first came out, and then also the first single on this album was Apollo Kids that came out. That was the first one that I saw. There was also a video that came out about this with him and Raekwon. Dope track. Where I really started to hang on to this album was, was later on in that year when I got to college at Morgan State. One of my friends in, from high school who actually also ended up in college with me, we ended up on, in the same dorm on the same floor, on the same side of the floor, had this album. And this was a popular album amongst a group of our friends. And we played this a lot. And also around that same time, the single Church Says La Ghost, which is, of course, you know, everybody remembers that song because it's just a crazy, crazy track came out. And that was actually a minor radio hit. We remember that being played at our freshman year at parties during during freshman year. And it was a crazy, crazy track because that track originally is that sample comes from a disco track. And it got remixed into a pretty nice banger. You know what I'm saying? So with You God and also with Ghostface. But this album was being played a lot. And I remember just how dope it was. Like listening to this, man. You know, Ghostface has his hallmarks. He definitely has his signatures on what his rhyme stuff. You hear stream of consciousness in there. A lot of abstract references. A lot of 5% of references in there as well. Sometimes you're listening to Ghostface lyrics and you're like, damn, man, like, what the hell is this nigga talking about? <laughs> like, sometimes he just it seems like he's just rambling on. But then when you go and read the lyrics or go back and rewind and listen to him again, you hear a little bit more of a deeper message in there. Some of the things that he's actually saying. And you can see a change between this album and also through Iron Man, the content and the lyrics in which he was spitting. And he mentioned that actually in a interview right around the time that Supreme clientele came out. In Rap City, the basement with Big Tigger. And if you go, you can look it up on YouTube. That interview is hilarious because we all know Ghostface is a comedian. He is a character. And him sitting around fucking with Tigger doing a lot of the things that he was saying, like the water in a bag, and he told Tigger, asked him what's in the bag. He said, Yo, man, it's a dead body in the bag, man. He's like, Yo, for real. That's my word. And he's messing with Tigger. Then he pulled out the whole you know, the the Joe Pesci line from Goodfellas during like, yo, why am I funny, man? Am I funny to you? What am I, a clown? Do I amuse you? He was sitting there messing with Tigger the whole interview, but he dropped a lot of gems during that. He also mentioned this one line coming up where he talked about lyrics, in particular at that time, what he thought about the game, and then also what he thought how his lyrical game needed to progress in the making of this album, and here it is. Talk to me about lyrics. It's like the game right now, it's like everybody is like on one it's like they on another, a different level than how it was back in the Kane and Bismarck days and all right. that, Rock Kim days, you know what I'm saying? It's like back then, it's like them brothers didn't even have to curse in their rhymes. It was basically emceeing. Right. It was the fun about it. Mm. Now you got brothers like everything is about guns and, 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 and cracks and you know what I mean? Right. Even though we live in that, you know what I mean? Whatever, whatever, but it's like what happened to the fun of it. Right. And that's how come when I be trying, when I be throwing my darts now, it's like, it's like, I don't like to say, like, talk about too much ice and this and that, you know, guns. And I don't brought all that to the table. So I'm one of the brothers that try to keep it moving on, though. But as far as right now, it's like the game is kind of, it's kind of twisted, though. Right. You know what I mean? But, you know, you got a lot of people living, I guess, you know, the guns or whatever, whatever. But it's like, it's, 
time to go back to the foundation of it. Right. You know what I'm saying? Where you should be happy to hear the bridge when the bridge come on. You know what I mean? Right. Stuff like that. And there you have it. So you saw he had a different approach when it came to lyrics. He really wanted to, as he said, sort of get back to the essence. And to me, this is where I think he stepped up a little bit when it came to his lyric game, man. You can see that a lot in this, in this, throughout this whole project. Man, listening to the project back then, I thought like, man, this is a really a dope-ass album. And it was interesting studying the beats, having really just getting into making beats around that time. I really just started producing and making beats when I was in high school, when I was 17. So I was about a year or so into it. It was interesting listening to the beats that were being made and the samples that were being used and the vocal samples that were being used and thinking like, damn, man, how can I get to that level of being able to make beats like that? I wouldn't learn until many, many years later. And even then, my beats weren't to the quality that were up there. But we're talking about some A1 producers that are up there. We're talking about, you know, Mathematics, also RZA, Juju, of course, 6 July, all these guys that were pretty uh, were producers that were dope as fuck that I knew I wouldn't be able to get to that level, at least not anytime soon. Listening to it coming up this week. Wow. I like I didn't think that you could feel much better about an album, but I hadn't heard this album in full in about a number of different years. I want to say I probably hadn't sat down and listened to this album from front to back all the way through in about, I would say, maybe six or seven years. And I was listening to it this week and I listened to it one day. And I think every day after that, I listened to this album every single day afterwards because I couldn't stop playing it because every time I would play it, I caught something else lyric wise or beat wise or some other element that made me stop and say, damn, man. Wow. <laughs> like listening to this album now, visually, this let me paint the picture for you. Anybody who's played Street Fighter knows Dalsam. OK, the Indian character, the dude, real skinny, arms would stretch, legs would stretch. And of course, he had that yoga fire and yoga flame. This album is the audio manifestation of yoga flame. Just a long, continuous stream of fire. <laughs> and it's heat. It's I, I feel even much better about this album now than I did 20 years ago. And studying this, it's like, wow, man, there's so many things that I didn't catch. My 18-year-old self didn't catch back then. And now being 38, listening to it, having now listen to hip-hop now for so long and being involved in the game and having wrote, written lyrics and also produced catching so many different things that happen it's like damn yo this shit <laughs> this is a this is wow this is something that has aged very very well so just to sort of get into some of the tracks that i love you gotta love of course nutmeg to start off i mean it's just really it's a dope ass beat dope ass beat featuring Areza, and it's a great way to sort of start the start the album out you know you got prototypical ghosts and then right after that you follow up with one and I think one may actually be one of my two, one or two favorite songs on here. It's a dope beat as well, man. This was done by Juju. And man, the lyrics on here and then that vocal sample of that one just sort of catches you. It's just, it was hypnotic sort of a change. And then you got Ghost, of course, spitting. Apollo Kids, I've mentioned those before, man. You Anytime Ghost and Ray connected, man. There was a time period from like 95 to like 01, 02, 03 when you had those, those two were connecting. And it was literally like peanut butter and jelly, like vanilla ice cream and caramel, like chocolate and vanilla. It literally, it just went together from only built for Cuban links all the way up until 
the early 2000s when Ray and Ghost hooked up on something you already know it's going to be a straight heaters and Apollo Kids is no different. It last beat her by Hassan as well, too, man. And ooh, that was the first taste that we all got from Supreme Clientele in the beginning. A buck fifty. Great verses, of course, by Method Man, Rep Man, and Ghostin. It was Capadonna on there. I have to be honest. I'm not really a big, really big Capadonna fan. I'm not a big fan of him at all. I think he has some dope lyrics, but I've never really been a big fan of his flow because I feel as though it's inconsistent, man. And so I never, I wasn't a big fan of Kappa. I know some people swear by him, but I haven't a big fan. I wasn't a big fan of him, but you know. He does have some ill ass things he'd be saying, but it's just sometimes it's like, damn, dog, like your flow's so inconsistent, bro. Like, come on. Mighty Healthy was, oh, that beat by a lot of mathematics. And then the game that you hear spit by Ghostface in there, man, it's crazy, man. Stay True was uh, uh, produced by Inspector D, ill, ill ass verse, ill ass beat by Deck. Um, we Made It is probably my favorite track on here because of all the different offerings you get by both superb and then also by ghostface and that second verse by ghostface is just crazy of course we mentioned church has La, church has like ghost crazy ass track man you still play it to this day it still goes even back then and then to close out everything woo banger with jizza capadonna master killer and raekwon man just sets things off perfectly but those are really my favorite ones but there's not a bad track on here i definitely appreciate though one one that I didn't leave out. I didn't I didn't mean to leave this out, but this is one of my favorites as well is Malcolm. And you hear that Malcolm X like uh, speech in the beginning and those clips from these Malcolm X speeches and the story that's sort of being weaved as Mount on Malcolm is about as underrated a part of this album as any other, because this sort of gets into the point where you see, which is one of Ghostface's most underrated parts of his repertoire. And that's his storytelling. You saw it on Iron Man. You see it again on a couple of songs here where he's telling you a story. And then before you enter the verse, you sitting there nodding your head. And you're like, damn, yo, son really telling a story about something. And he's driving home a message. You get the same exact thing on Malcolm. And that's just by true to specialist that beat. My goodness. <laughs> this whole thing slaps, man. Oh, I mean, they're really great things. But I definitely appreciate Malcolm now more so than then. But this is sort of getting to some of the beats that some of the sample credits, of course, in this album. You see Nutmeg had a sample of It's Over by Eddie Holman. You had one with You Roam When You Don't Get It At Home, The Sweet Inspirations. Apollo Kids had that sample from Cool Breeze by Solomon Burke. Buck 50 had Hard Times by Baby Huey. And Mighty Healthy had samples of a lot of different ones. Wish That I Could Talk To You by The Silvers. Synthetic Substitution by Melvin Bliss. Funky President by James Brown. Nobody Beats The Biz by Biz Marquis. And then, of course, there was dialogue from the Kung Fu movie Shaolin Rescuers. Always a staple in the Wu-Tang and RZA-based production that you see there's some sort of Kung Fu movie influence and some sort of clip from a Kung Fu movie in there. Stay True had a sample from Terry's Tomb by David Axelrod. We Made It had uh, I Hate I Walked Away by Syl Johnson. Syl Johnson, classic soul singer. Iron's Theme is an intermission had Free Again by Gap, the, by Gap Mangione. Malcolm had a sample of Going in Circles by Isaac Hayes and dialogue from Malcolm X's After the Bombing speech. And Church House La Ghost, as we mentioned before, had samples of Church House La Femme by Dr. Buzz's original Savannah Band, Greedy G by Brentford All-Stars, and an interpolation of I Get Down on My Crown by Wu-Tang. 
just to talk about some of the guest features that are on here. Of course, you had RZA. RZA had at least, I, I would count at least th- two, two or three verses on here. I believe it's actually three verses. And to me, one of the best verses he had on here was on Stroke of Death. <laughs> I mean, I don't think I've ever heard a verse like that from RZA. I mean, I really do think that was probably the best RZA verse that I'd heard in quite some time. And it wasn't long at all. Like it wasn't something that a verse that you saw and it was just like, it was just like, bam, a quick 16 and he threw it out there, you know, like smack the girl, bail bonds, man, the trips of 18 bronze, man. Like, it's just the way he started that, man. I haven't really been a, like, like the biggest fan of RZA and his rapping, but he spit an ill ass verse there. Raekwon, of course, you can't go wrong with Ray, man. Ray was still and had his fastball back then. I mean, he never really lost his fastball, but he was right there at the top of his lyrical game in Apollo's Kid and then also on Wu Banger. Method Man, ill verse, man, on Buck 50 and Red Man, his verse on Buck 50. To be able to hear Method Red again and to hear Red Red on the track with Ghostface with Method Man, goodness, man, that Buck 50 was one of my favorite tracks. You had also uh, 60 Second Assassin, Superb had a couple of different features on here as well. And it's actually crazy because there was a dispute right around 2004 that Superb, who was a member of Raekwon's American Cream team, said that he had ghostwritten the entire album of Supreme Clientele. And people sort of brought that up. And so, you know, Ghost said and responded like, you know, he heard that people said stuff like, yo, that Superb actually wrote the album. He was like, nah, man. He said, yo, that's mine. Like, yo, this whole thing. Like, yo, he he didn't write this, you know. It was just like he said, I can't see what songs he did write. You know what I'm saying? Everything that he done, like, these are my stories. Everything's based upon me. He ain't write this. I wrote this. But Superb has some nice verses on here as well. It, it's ironic that that would come up, that he would say, to, oh, he wrote the, whole, wrote the whole joint, man. But I don't really believe that. He did have some dope-ass, like, features on here. An uh, underrated part about this man is the skits. <laughs> the, the skits always on Wu-Tang albums are always crazy because there's always a mix of comedy and uh, that all, things that always keep you laughing. You know, the big thing about, you know, Woodrow, the bass head, that was actually superb as well on that track. He actually was acting as Woodrow, the bass head, you know, <laughs> talking about some. He wanted to get his two cracks and be on his way. And then the one who would you fuck? I mean, I think. A lot of guy, groups of guys have gotten together and had that conversation. Like back then, I think when they was talking about most of those things, like, yo, definitely like, yo, Lil' Kim or Foxy, you know, Nia Long or Jada. Like, yo, we, yo, if you was in a group of guys, man, guys had that conversation. And it's just crazy. They put that on a skit knowing that they were in the industry. You know what I'm saying? But they did that. That came before Child's Play. The Clyde Smith one to me, I think I listened to that and I, I think I played it like two or three times in a row. Because I cracked up laughing like hell listening. Now, Clyde Smith, for those of you who don't know about this skit, was Raekwon his vo- have, having his voice altered, pitched down, where he was acting like he was this dude who was in jail, like this OG in jail, and, uh, and this old, old, you know, this OG, and his name was real name was Clive Smith. And this was actually something they used to get back to talk about 50. Now, 50s in his song. I believe this was a song in 99, How to Rob. He had talked about, you know, Rob, a song about robbing a lot of different other rappers. And he mentioned some members of Wu-Tang Clan. This is a response using Ghostface albums with Raekwon's voice to respond back at 50. 
You know, we was talking about some, you know what I'm saying? Like, yo, if I'm going to hold it down, I'm going to hold you down. You know what I'm saying? If you ask me something, I'll give you something. Man, I'll knock your bitch ass out. You know what I'm saying? Word of life, God. <laughs> it is just hilarious, man. And supposedly 50 responded back to them later on on a mixtape. But, yo, funny ass skits on here. Really, really creative. And what you get here on this album is just really great lyrics, great flow by Ghostface. And the thing is that you see the same flow that you sort of get stream. It seems stream of consciousness. It seems abstract, but when you dig deeper into what it is that he's saying, you can't help to just know it's just that, damn, this is some ill ass lyrics. And then you get to his flow and his flow to me is the best part of the package that he brings together. His flow just fits on any type of beat. Any, all of these beats on here seem like they were tailor-made for him. And that's sort of the approach I think that RZA was going after when he decided to remix and redo these beats to sort of make everything fit. It was cohesive, a cohesive effort. And it seemed like all of these beats were tailor-made just exactly for Ghostface to do his thing. And the flow on here, my goodness, I would say that the flow on here is better than it was on any one of his other efforts because this production I think is better than any of his other previous efforts as well. And the guest spots on here are not overwhelming. They are just sort of in the right place. They are just enough and it complements the album. Well, and doesn't take this over as though you seem this is like another Wu Tang album because it's not, it's a ghost face album. Now to talk about the lyrics. Now notable quotable. I mentioned to you all about the second verse of we made it and how, that verse is just crazy. It's among a lot of different crazy verses that are on here. They're sick to death, man. But the We Made It, that second verse by Ghostface just makes you, you sit there when you're listening to it in the crib, it's just like, damn, the things that he's actually saying, it's just like, wow. You know, like stuff he was saying, like he said, you know, rap with a British accent, Gucci clothes, Dennis Coles in his latest fashion, blow backs in, flip flats like 48 bundles, dinner plates, deadly front plates, sell up like Brian Gumbel. And just like the whole thing he just talks about, you know, the whole thing like, yo, spotted that mirage, ghost face, walk by the groupies, make with monk stars, a come man cat, invade Mars. Some of these things that he says, like sometimes you sit back and be like, yo, what the fuck is this nigga talking about? And then sometimes you listen and it's just like, whoa, another notable quotable on here is one that second verse is well on one. And it's like the first like four bars that he puts out there said, Ayo, hey, crash through, break the glass, Tony with the goalie mask. That's the past. Heavy ice rolling, laying on the dash. Love the grass. Cauliflower hurting when I dump the trash. Sour mad surgeon, heavy glass up in the Wally Bash. Like, what? Ayo, <laughs> hey, it's just you hear this stuff, man. It just flows off. It just comes off real, real smooth, man. Like, this is supreme lyrical work that you get on here. You get really deep lyrics with these abstract meanings and, you know, things sort of put in here these easter eggs that are within these lyrics and you throw it on with a superb flow with great production and this is what you get a really really great and focused effort that's really how i can explain how this album was and a lot of praise about this too you get this with some of the classic albums you see over time and you get this with supreme clientele too as time has gone on the mythology and the story and the reverence for this album continues to build. It's sort of like the way that people have looked on with Illmatic. Sort of also the way that I think folks have looked on Rise Kaz's soul, soul on Ice. As time has gone on, people have recognized the brilliance of this album. And there's a lot of things that have come out over the last couple of days, in particular with 
a few of the publications online and some hip hop websites in regards to the 20 year anniversary. Ghost himself has said that Supreme clientele is better than his debut Iron Man, which is a, a if you talk to a lot of Ghostface fans, is a hotly contested debate about whether Iron Man is better or Supreme clientele is better. Highest Nebriety is a, a website. They had a 20, titled 20 Years Later, Ghostface Killer Supreme Clientele remained one of hip hop's greatest LPs. About how really this sort of helped to get the momentum started again for Wu-Tang and a lot of the different members. It sort of, I think, galvanized the group. It really got them together, sort of rallied them together. Because this was something that at a time when they were starting to flounder a bit as a collective, getting RZA back involved with this and then also getting some of the members back involved from the group definitely, I think, helped get them back together and uh, help energize them a little bit more for this second one. This originally got a 4.5, four and a half mics in the source. And I think we all kind of agree that it could have just given that last half mic because it definitely deserved it. Now, as far as the whole test of the time, whether or not this stands the test of time, of course it does, man. Like I said, I listened to this album for at least, I want to say for at least half of my week. The time, the one day that I, I pulled it out to listen to it to begin my research, and I played it every single day after that. And every time I listened to it, I got something else new from it that I didn't get the six or seven years the last time I listened to it all the way through. And then, of course, 20 years ago when I first heard it. It definitely stands the test of time. It's a certified classic. I'll say it again. It is a certified classic. Exceptional. And to me, I'll go ahead and say that I think this is his best album. And a lot, I know a lot of people, a lot of y'all out there, especially on social media, out there on the internet and the webs <laughs> and out there will say, yo, man, what about Iron Man? Yo, man himself said the Supreme clientele is better than it. And, you know, I was one of those folks that I remember someone asked a question on on the web, on Facebook. They had one of these hip hop questions, these hip hop forums. Somebody said, yo, what's better to you? What's better? Iron Man, the Supreme clientele. And this is like maybe five or six weeks ago when I said, yo, I said, to me, Iron Man's better, but I said, but it's not that far off. They're not that far off from each other. After listening to it, man, this past week, I got to say Supreme Clientele's better. And I got to say that it's better by a bigger margin than I initially thought. That's not to say Iron Man is whack, because Iron Man is a classic as well. As a matter of fact, I have to say out of all the Wu affiliates, out of all the Wu members that put out albums, I think Ghost was the most consistent early in his career because he put out off the break. His first three solo albums were all bangers, all hits, all classics. And you can't say that about everybody. You can't say that about Method Man. You can't say that about Raekwon. You can't. Jizza only put out one album. You can't say that about Inspector Deck. You, <laughs> you definitely can't say it about Capadonna. The first three came out with all hits, all, every single one of them. To me, I think this is his best album. And if we're talking about the Wu overall, as far as the individual efforts, the solo albums, I'm not saying it's the best solo album that a Wu member has put out, but I'm saying that if it wasn't in the conversation before now, it needs to be in the conversation. Now, I know everybody's out there listening. You go, yo, yo, throw at me liquid swords. Yo, throw at me only built for Cuban links. I get it. I think this needs to be up there right there in that conversation as far as the best solo album by a Wu-Tang member. I really do. Because listening to it this past week, it really sort of hits you just how great this album was. 
And kudos to RZA for pulling this whole thing together. One, from coming back from losing that much material and then being able to put out an album and pull together a project like this to make it shine in an era when this type of hip hop was sort of on the way out as far as it being popular because hip hop was starting to change as a genre into being more commercially viable, cleaner, shinier, and not as dirty and grimy and rugged as these beats are, which are rugged, which are Wu-Tang's and RZA's staples, their signatures. This to me is why I think it has to be in the conversation because we're talking about only built for Cuban links and liquid swords being released in 1995. Okay, bam, you're right in the middle of the era when that type of music was in and banging, when those style of beats and that style of rhyme was in and banging. This is in the year 2000 as we're going into the turn of century. The game had changed. And this album, while not platinum status, not commercial, commercially you know, successful with the singles with Apollo Kids and Sure Shots Let Ghost, but bro, listening to this 20 years later, you cannot listen to this and be like, this is masterful. Masterful by Ghostface. Great flow, great lyrics, great production. I mean, a great offering by all these different producers to give them their beats and then have the confidence for RZA to be able to pull it together, to put together 21 tracks of an awesome, awesome project that 20 years later still banks. And I love the feedback that I've got from so many different people. So many of y'all, when we you know talked about it on Twitter, said that this is one of your favorite albums of all time. I had a few people tell me that this was their favorite album of all time, bar none, hands down. Not just Wu-Tang album, not Ghostface album, their favorite hip-hop album of all time. I'm not going to go that far and say that, but I will tell you this. After reviewing this now, after I heard hearing it in full in about six or seven years, this has definitely moved up my list. Both my list of Wu-Tang solo albums and my overall list of hip-hop albums all time. Masterful effort. Bravo. I have to say that to RZA and to Ghostface and the whole team that made this album come together. It's just amazing to think about how well it's aged over these 20 years that even after all this time that it still it still bangs and still goes. I put this on in my car and I turn that volume all the way up and you can just feel and hear that bass line and those drum breaks and you can let those lyrics cut through all those drum breaks and hear those bars just like I said, it's yoga flame. That's exactly what it is. Yoga fire and yoga flame. This is what the hell you get from this, man. This album is just crazy and it's dope as fuck. I just, I, I'm running out of superlatives to say stuff about it. It's a certified classic. And I think 20 more years from now, when we look at this, we're going to continue to say the same things as we move on 20 years from now. Awesome, awesome effort by Ghostface. So Supreme Clientele, 20 years old now. Released February 8, 2000. Go check it out if you haven't heard it already. This to me is probably Ghostface's Magnumosis, man. You got to, if you're a Ghostface fan and you haven't heard this album, you're slipping. You need to go make sure you check this out. And check out his other work as well, man. Because I'm telling you, man, first three albums you put them out there, they're just as good as anybody else's three albums out there as well. So, Supreme Clientele, go check it out, whatever you can get albums. And treat yourself, man, to this masterpiece. And that is going to wrap up yet another edition of The Vault. 
please make sure you are checking us out on social media where you can get to our link tree. It has all of our social media sites and as well as all of our streaming platforms. You can connect to us, anyone on there. Of course, on social media, you can find us on Instagram at Vault CMR Podcast. That's at Vault CMR Podcast. You can also find us, production company IV Creative at I. V-E-C-R-E-8 That's I-V-E-C-R-E-8 And then personally for Beacocks You can get me on IG On at It's Lesson That's at It's Lesson I-T-S Lesson On Instagram You can also get us on Facebook and YouTube Searching for The Vault Classic Music Reviews On YouTube and Facebook You can find us and follow us there We have a fan page and also a video page On on Facebook and YouTube On Twitter of course You all can find us at Vault Classic we're active on there a lot. We love to interact with the people on there. Please follow us on there and interact with us. We love to be able to hear from you. Email. You can email us at at I-V-E-C-R-E-A at gmail.com. That's at I-V-E-C-R-E-A at gmail.com. Please send us some love, man. We love to hear from our audience and everybody who out there is listening and supporting. We appreciate all the support. And if you have a friend, tell a friend. And if you have that friend, make sure that they tell a friend. Always remember to keep your headphones on and your music loud, but not too loud. And as we close, we like to remind everyone to dream big because dreams are the basis for creation. Always create, motivate, and elevate because you were never destined or created to stay stationary in this life. And on that note, until next time, we say peace. Thank you for listening and coming into The Vault. Please subscribe and follow us on Facebook at IV Creative and Instagram at I-V-E-C-R-E-8.